Cheerio! As human beings, don't we enjoy enjoyment? This is Five Golden Things, The Liberty Lists, a podcast of whimsy from Liberty Church Collingswood and libertycollingswood.org. We'll hear from friends as we explore everything from potent potables to morsel delectables, awkward laughables to moment teachables. You'll get lots of different categories, but remember that for each one, there can be only five. Plus a mulligan or two. Five, four, three, two, one. Lift off. Welcome to Five Golden Things, the Liberty Lists. We have a very special episode for you today, everybody. This will be the first episode in the history of Five Golden Things where we're talking some sports. And who better to talk it with than my good friend, Kevin Carroll. Kevin, how are you? Oh, we're doing great today. We're really looking forward to our discussion. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see how contentious this discussion gets. The topic for today is top five Philadelphia 76ers versus top five Boston Celtics. Kevin, are you a Sixers or a Celtics fan? It goes without saying that uh, having grown up in Rhode Island and uh, having rooted for all the Boston sports teams, I am the Celtic uh, fan here in this uh, little meeting. <laughs> okay, and, and I'll, I'll say up front that the top five Celtics would beat the top five Sixers in a basketball game pretty, pretty, pretty easily, but it... It'll be fun to to duke it out. I I should say too, Kevin. I I only started following the Sixers when I moved to Philly over twenty years ago, so yeah. I don't have quite the quite the extensive personal history yeah. that you do with with the Celtics. And then also to say, my dad, when I was growing up in New Orleans, was a went to college in Boston, and so he was a Boston Celtics fan. So okay. so more than other teams. In the '80s, I was probably a Celtics fan more more than more than anybody else. But Kevin, tell me about your your history of being a Celtics fan. Well, uh, having grown up in Rhode Island, um, listened to the Celtics on the radio, and, yeah. and at, at, at the time I became a Celtics fan, the NBA was not a popular product. Uh, right, a lot of the teams would have to play in odd cities. For example, Will Chamberlain when he scored his hundred points. That was in Hershey, Hershey, PA, yeah. not 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 in Philly. And there's so, no video of, yeah, of that there's either. No video. Right? So it's fortunate I, I got to see Bill Russell play in Providence, Rhode Island. I think he got about 45 rebounds in, in the <laughs> game that I saw. Yeah. So we had a great love. And, and a, a thing that made the following and listening to the Celtics was they had the greatest homer uh -huh. in the history of um, <laughs> sports announcing. A guy, Johnny Most. Oh yeah, who was from the Bronx, but like it was, right. he hit Johnny Havlicek with a vicious shot. It was like <laughs> on and on. I mean, he would make Merrill Reese look like an objective observer. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so, so that was a lot of fun, and um, uh, got to watch the the sixties, early seventies. Yeah, the so with the great Bill Russell and, mm -hmm. and whatnot, and got to some of the epic battles. You're saying that you miss, you really missed out on yeah. the. 60s, 76s, which was means you missed Wilt Chamberlain, right? Who arguably may have been the greatest player ever. Yeah, um, by far the strongest guy ever to play in the NBA. Right, no one was even close. Yeah, he he was so, a man among boys for yeah for a long time. For a lot um, of the time, you know, some of the competition wasn't as keen as you might yeah. see nowadays. But right, he could have played in any era and just absolutely dominated. Yeah, 
Yeah. So that was always interesting uh, well, Kevin, to let's, watch. Well, let, Kevin, let's start. My, I'll do my number five, then you could do your number five, and then we'll go back and forth. Okay. The, my number five, and this is, this is what brought me in this direction, is, and you might think he's too low for a 76 or Wilt Chamberlain, so... The, oh, so 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 you're well. I I I'm gonna skew recent with with yeah. my with my one. So, Wilt came to the Philadelphia Warriors in 1959, and his his points per game are just absolutely they 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 look fake. You know, you see a as a rookie, 37 points, and then third year, 50 points a game. Uh, and he was just a just a, a complete beast. And what from somebody that that has memories of listening and maybe watching games yeah. with Wilt? What what do I need to know about Wilt? Tell me why Wilt needs to be higher. You've already told me a little bit about. Well, that. a few years back, I watched an HBO special on kind of the history of the NBA. Yeah, they uh, interviewed Jerry West. Oh yeah, he's an interesting. And this guy. was in the eighties, and yeah. um, right in the middle of the Magic and Bird era and everything. Mm-hmm. And they asked Jerry West about Wilt Chamberlain, and they said, um, "Who like playing?" And and you're talking. I think it was actually even the um, Shaquille stuff. And uh-huh. and Jerry West, the expression is eyes. He said. Nobody could stop or play, you know, play. Nobody could yeah. stop Will Chamberlain. Uh-huh. So you have him at five. I have him <laughs> at one. Uh, so dominant. Okay. There was no, no, you can argue Jordan or whatever, yep. but physically it was, it was just unbelievable. Uh, okay. Um, how And Bill Russell had to deal with it. And, and But Will Chamberlain to me was the greatest sixer ever. Okay. Okay. So you so, said, so, so Kevin is not only. Coming at me as a Celtics fan, but as somebody who needs to know my 76ers better. Yeah, that, <laughs> I like that. That, that could, be, the, could uh, be. So so tell me who your number five is, Kevin. You know, this is um, the kid. Um, I put him five, uh, Jason Tatum. Oh, wow. Because um, already, I mean, he's tied. He's already tied Larry Bird for 50-point games. Uh-huh. And the kid's talent is just um, off the scale. So I had to leave a few guys off, but... Okay. I've been so impressed with Jason Tatum, um, huh. and he's just growing. So I'm sticking my neck out a little, but I, 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 I just thought I had to include him on my list. That's that's really interesting. He's so he's so young still. I think he's only like 24 years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he could flame out, but I mean, his talent is great. And uh-huh. like I say, statistically, he's already tied Larry Bird for 50 point games. Right. Larry Bird had his fourth 50-point game when he was 32 years old. This huh. kid's already good. How about that? <laughs> well, I'll, this this will relate to some of this stuff that I say later, but uh, the Sixers could have drafted Jason Tatum, but they went with Markel Fultz instead. <laughs> yeah, there was some shenanigans around yeah. that, but, but yeah, that um, uh, talk about great draft choices. Huh? There we go. <laughs> so, okay, so so – Jason Tatum, I I wish him the best career. I wish he was in the Western Conference as opposed to, as opposed to this one. I'll come back at you with Dr. J. Julius Irving. So, as 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 my number four. Number four. The, the 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 only reason that I don't have him higher is that some of his best years were in the ABA. The, 
even though he won a championship with with the Sixers and seems to me to have been, been a little bit like the proto-Michael Jordan. Before Jordan, there was yeah. you know, wing player like Dr. J that could do it all. Yeah. The first guy player was Elgin Baylor. Okay. He, he was above the rim. Right. And, and right. a lot of the guys came. And obviously, Dr. J was well above the rim. Yeah. So as far as guys, like, revolutionizing yep. the game, you'd have to – Elgin Baylor is the first prototype of gotcha. that, that guy that yep. – like, um, he, there was a Celtic game, um, and Elgin scored about fifty points. Mm-hmm. And Bill Russell complimented Tom Satch Sanders for the great defensive game he played against Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> that, so yeah, that uh, that's great. Yeah. And Doctor J beat the Celtics in some big games. Doctor J lost to the Celtics in some big games over yeah, the years, but yeah. he also beat, but he also came out on top a few times. A few times, yeah. Towards the you know, it's funny. Um, I have a habit if if I. Say I'm in a supermarket or something, and I see someone with like a Phillies cap uh-huh. or someone with a New York Football Giants right. cap. Yeah. I'll go up there and say, "You wear that thing in public?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did that one time right after. You remember a few years, like three or four years back, where the Celtics blew the Sixers out in four games? Oh yeah. I yeah. remember saying that to to a guy, and mm-hmm. and I mentioned that I was a Celtic fan, and he said, "The Celtics, that's our kryptonite." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they did win some. Yeah, and you go back the sixty seven seventy sixes, just arguably one of the all time great teams. They were. Yeah. yeah, I the one one of my what ifs with this with the Sixers. What what if Doctor J were younger when when he came to the Sixers? Yeah, would have had more years. And what if Wilt had stayed in in Philly? That, that, that yeah, that's yeah, another yeah. big one. Um, the. Uh, and was it was it Dr. J was a veteran when the Sixers won won their last championship and I yep. think I think Bird was in he he beat Larry Bird well the, you go back they, they they lost in 80 right they beat the Sixers in 81 yep. they came back from three games down yeah yep. and 82 I, I kind of both teams didn't do much of right. anything. The Lakers won yep. in '82, yeah. and in '83, that was Moses Malone's first year. That just put him right over the top. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so Moses Malone is my f- is my first honorable mention. Yeah. The uh, there. So with with newer kinds of statistics, with, with analytics and stuff, I I bet this is going to come into play with with some more people on your list too, Kevin. But Moses Malone is one of those players whose regular statistics were really good, but the analytics make him look even better. In terms of like influence on winning games and all oh, of the, yeah. all the things that are harder to quantify with with the traditional stats, but he he was just a winning player that yeah that he was relentless dominate. on the boards, a great offensive rebounder. Yeah, just, um, yeah, 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 and and that that was back in the era when basketball players would box out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, they kind of don't do that anymore. Yeah, no, it's a it's a free fl- much more of a free uh, free flowing game. Yep. Okay. Well, that's that's me. Back to you. Okay. So you had four, and you put Doctor J. Yep. And, okay. My five is uh, Kevin. Mc- My four, four rather is Kevin McHale. Oh, I love McHale. And Kevin McHale. That that was probably you talk about draft choices and deals. Yes. The Boston Celtics had the number one pick in that that year's draft. Yep. They traded it to the Golden State Warriors because they were hot for a guy named Joe Barry Carroll, who wound up being a stiff. And if you haven't and, heard of Joe Barry Carroll, that's the point. Yeah. So the Celtics traded the number one pick places with Golden State, and they picked up the number three pick 
and Golden State threw in this guy named Robert Parrish. Right. So they got <laughs> they got Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale for Joe Barry Carroll, uh. one of the all-time NBA steals. Kevin was his inside game was unmatched by anybody. He yeah. got the ball down low. He was scoring. He right. had so many moves underneath, over head fakes. Yep. Uh, just. Uh, Tremendous, and he played along Bird. When he got the ball from Bird, it was always he got the ball over his head. Yep. And he didn't put it down, and, and uh, he had so much uh, simpatico with Bird that right. uh, um, just a great, great inside player, good defensive player too. Yeah. So I had to include him on my uh, my list of uh, five greatest Celtics. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I I read it. So so he he's another one of those. That the analytics love him even more than 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 back in the day, and I read something about Mikhail. He may have made some some appearance at you know, or maybe it was the NBA seventy five best players or yeah. or something. He he kind of keeps a lower he's kept a lower profile yeah. over the past few years, but uh, I read this think piece that talked about Mikhail as what if Kevin Mikhail had been the center of or the. Uh, I guess literally too, the center of an offense when he was playing with Bird, but thinking about what if he was the main guy and talking about how it would have just been this amazing, amazing offense because he could. Yeah. He was a good. He was a good jump shooter too. He had, yeah, he, no, he, had, he, he had the, all the hook shots yeah. from mid range. Oh, great and, offensive skills. Great yeah. offensive skills. Probably yeah. a very underrated player. Right, and of course he'll always go down. Um, for the 1984 NBA champion Boston Celtics, who had no business beating the Lakers, the Lakers were a much more talented team. I didn't quite. Re- uh, I, 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 that, that was the first series I remember watching as yeah. a kid. Well, what happened there? They, the first couple of games, they they just ran the Celtics off the court. Right. Larry Bird called his teammates sissies and all that. <laughs> so they got together and they said that no one on the Lakers is going to get a layup. Uh-huh. And there was a play early. I forget if it was the fourth game or whatever, but there was a play early in the game mm-hmm. where Kurt Rambis was kind of on a breakaway, and Mikhail closed him. You can him. find that on YouTube. Yeah, it yeah is. and it is. Nowadays, he would have been uh, would kicked out of the game and suspended for <laughs> yeah. like 20 years. Yeah. Um, and it totally turned around. Turned around that series, yeah, and because uh, the Lakers got they, they took them out, took of, their them out head of their game, yeah, and all that stuff, and that's where uh, one of my all-time favorite Celtics, not not a great player, but yeah. ML Carr, who right. was a great aggravator, um, came up with they turned Magic Johnson into Tragic Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those, those Lakers Celtics rivalries in the 80s were were pretty pretty spectacular sure and and i remember too i, I think i've mentioned to you before kevin I, i've read larry bird's bio, autobiography and he's he's made he made the point in there he very complimentary of mikhail as a player yeah he said but one thing i knew about kevin is that if i passed the ball to him i wasn't getting it back <laughs> <laughs> well, kevin made good use of the ball though he did, yeah, he did. Could he he couldn't complain? Okay, so that was your number th- four. Four, yep. Okay, number three, Allen Iverson. So AI the when I first moved to Philadelphia, or my first or second year was was the year that the Sixers made that run yeah. to run to the finals, yeah. and I just remember that he was the tiniest guy on the floor. Uh, but just absolutely fearless. He, oh yeah. He he would uh, and he would, he would 
go to the rim hard and just get knocked down yeah. again and again and yeah. again and again. Yeah, and and for uh, for guys that are normal height. Yep. Okay. To play in the NBA, the, your athletic skills just going to be unbelievable. Yeah. And he yep. had he had all that. Yeah. Right. So, so so there's a buddy of mine that I went to high school with that went to Georgetown, and Allen Iverson graduated high school the same year as okay. we did, and and he said he was he would sometimes have class that fir- first year with Iverson at Georgetown, and sometimes he was like in an elevator or walking walking past him. My friend Brad was six feet tall, and he said that Iverson was a good couple inches shorter. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, so he was listed at six feet, but 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 he was a he was a lot smaller than the famous guy. And the f- famous quote: "Practice." I know. We're talking about practice. <laughs> and here, here's the uh, here, here's here's my favorite off the court Iverson story, and and there are a lot of off the court stories with with with, with him. But he uh, one time he was feeling under the weather and. This could never happen today with with social media and cell phones and everything. The and it, I heard this in like the super early internet blog sort of thing. So the Sixers were playing somebody in Philly, and Iverson wasn't at the game be, because he was sick or injured or something. There is a there is a TGA Friday TGI Fridays in Center City, and and the game was on at the bar. And Iverson was at the bar with his friends <laughs> drinking and partying it up. Yeah. And, and, and he just started buying rounds for the whole bar mm-hmm. while his team was on, was, was playing. So, so, so he was a character. Uh, and, uh, but, but somebody that, that uh, you know, I, he could have had a longer career if he took better care of his body. But 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 Pete Iverson, he was just a whirling dervish. Oh yeah, and, and perhaps if he practiced, he might have been even better too. So uh, well, I had him at number four. Okay, okay. Uh, so that was my number three for the Sixers. Number three for the Celtics. Number three? Or wait, did you give me your number four yet? I gave yeah. Kevin McHale yeah, was so my number four. So give me your number. Give me your number three. John Hondo Havlicek. Okay. Havlicek stole the ball. He stole the, the ball. The, the, um, the going back to the announcer Johnny Most mm-hmm. in I think it was '66. Um, Bill Russell had the end of the game, seventh game or whatever, with, with the Sixers, yep. with Chamberlain, with the yep. whole cast, and uh, Bill Russell inbound the ball and hit a guide wire behind the rim. Oh, okay. And the rules were that that was a that was no good loss of possession. Yep. So now the Sixers actually have a chance to eliminate the Boston Celtics. Yeah. I'm not I can't remember who inbounded the ball, but they they were trying to pass it to one of the guards. Yeah. And the big moment Johnny Most is announcing, they tossed the ball in. John Havlicek anticipated the pass. Yeah. And He's got the ball. He's throwing. And Havlicek stole the ball. <laughs> Johnny Most just flipped out. He yeah. goes for four or five times. Johnny Havlicek stole the yeah. ball. Yeah. And, you know, so that was one of the great Celtic moments. Yeah. Stole the ball. The series was over. Right. So uh, what I didn't realize about Havlicek, as, as an NBA fan since, since yeah. I've been a kid, 
Havlicek stole the ball, I knew, but I didn't realize until more recently he was a great player just beside that. Oh, he was a relentless player. He he was one of those guys, I don't know who you would compare him to. A little bit like Steph, he's not as good a shooter as as, uh, uh, Steph Curry, Mm -hmm. but if you watch Curry, he never stops. He's always running, he's always moving. John Havlicek was like that. And he could do, he could play inside, he could play outside, he could shoot, but he was a relentless player. And I, I mean the the one t- one of the New York Knicks the, the when the Knicks won the championship, they would not have won except that John Havlicek was playing with a dislocated shoulder. Right. And if he was normal, I think he would have beat the Knicks that time. Yeah. But an all-time relentless player. Yeah. Yeah. One so, of one of the uh, the the sixer that that reminds me of Havlicek. Do you remember Andre Iguodala from from a few years ago? Iguodala, okay, sure. So, sure. so, so he was somebody that uh, was good at everything, good defender, could defend multiple positions, and and a good passer, good dribbler, good shooter, and was just kind of like a glue guy that yeah. that that held the whole team together. Yeah, I mean, uh, Havlicek was probably at a higher level. He was always. Yeah. When he was a player, he was always in the all-pro first, the second team, yeah. and just a, just a marvelous player. Yep. Uh, fit right in with Russell and kind of like a bridge between the end of the Bob Cousy era, and, yeah. uh, but played with Russell, then played with Dave Collins. So yeah. he, he, bridged, he, retired the, he retired just as Bird was a rookie, and he seriously considered coming back to play with Bird. I but didn't he didn't play that long. Oh, he had a great career. Great huh. career. All well above 20,000 points and yeah. all, all yeah. that good stuff. So, huh. um, any of the top, you have to include him on your list of greatest Celtics. Yep. Um, yeah. So. My, my favorite veteran player of the Celtics from when I was a fan in the 80s was the the lift that Bill Walton would give some of those those teams especially the was he on the team in 84 when when they won in 84 No he was he he came was on he in 86 Okay 84 they still had uh, Cedric Maxwell Okay so Maxwell got in a kind of a beef with Red Orback contract wise gotcha. and everything so they dumped him and they picked up Bill Walton Yeah and so Who, Bill Walton was on the 86 team Gotcha and arguably the greatest team ever, right? And that—that's in the argument of greatest teams. Yeah, ever. and and I think that '86 was the only really good year that they got out of Walton because because yeah. he, he was already on his last. Well, oh, he had bad wheels. Yeah, he, he what a, what a great career he w- would have had if he right. was able to stay healthy. But he yeah. had bad feet. Yeah, and um, yeah. That Portland Trailblazer team that he that he won a championship on was yeah. a great team also, and right. that was his peak. And then he had a second life with the Celtics. He stayed healthy that whole year. He did, and and, and I think starting with '87, he was more yeah, no, he was he, injured more. He's and, more of a cheerleader, right? He, he, um, he just broke down physically. Yeah, but he meshed with that '86 team. He meshed with Parrish. He meshed, it was it was unbelievable to watch. That yep. was a symphony of basketball. Yeah, you talk some of the great head players, Larry Bird and Bill Walton together. It just was unbelievable. Right, right. Oh man, the the good old days. So I, Kevin, I I only have two more Sixers left on on my list, and I'm going back and forth. I you. Charles Barkley number two. I had Charles at number three. Okay. Okay. The I the I wish he would have stayed longer on 
on the Sixers, and and there there's stories back about how he was let go. Charles Barkley to this day is bitter about the Sixers moving on from him. So, yeah. so at the time I thought and there wasn't a Sixers fan at that point. I just figured that Barkley wanted green, greener pastures, but that's not the complete yeah. story. Barkley felt mistreated by ownership, wanted to yeah. stay, wanted the Sixers. It was like cats. I mean, they had some bad owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was shady owners yeah. and not just failing to spend money to build a good team around him, but but they jerked him around and they made him promises that they that 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 they didn't keep. One one thing about Barkley and like the new stats, the the analytics. Uh, I I like him as a commentator. He's he just he's just kind of this. Uh, uh, he's on halftime shows and that sort of thing. Just kind of gives his his opinion about lots of things. And uh, uh, one of the things that he does is he makes fun of. He calls them the analytics nerds, yeah. like the, the the young statistics people. And he says, I don't need analytics and all that newfangled yeah. statistics. But. Uh, but one of the analytics nerds wrote an article the next day after he went on this big tirade and said that analytics make Charles Barkley look even better than he did as a player. And so the analytics yeah. that weren't around at the time loved Barkley for his well-rounded game that only looks better yeah. with time. And, and, and just an amazing... He may have been 6'4". Yeah, part of the class of 1984, undersized. Yeah. Big, power forward. big, yeah. But it could, a guy that could sky, he could get up. Yeah. Now there's an interesting story. Um, Chris Ford, who was the first, oh yeah, shot the first three pointer in NBA history. I did not know of the cell. He was the first guy to make a three pointer. I remembered him as a coach yeah. more than a player. He, well, at the time he was scouting, and he came. He watched Barkley at mm -hmm. Auburn. He came back and told Larry Bird and the guys that there's a kid coming out. That's gonna give you guys hell. Huh. So yeah, he was a uh, yeah, Barkley's all time, yeah. all time player. And and I've I've also read about him more recently that if he had played today, they might have tried to make him a point guard because on offense, uh, yeah. he, he was somebody that could dribble and pass so well. Oh, he could run the court too. He and ran he could, the court. Yeah, yeah, he was he was great on the fast break. Yeah. yeah. So somebody like Luka Doncic for. For the Mavs, yeah. he's tall. He's only six yeah. ten. Yeah, but but point guard. Yeah, uh, Charles and he he could have been just a just a complete yeah. even more of a do it all yeah. do a shot shot maybe some more three pointers. Oh. But he could also bang with people that were much bigger than he yeah. was. The guy the guy had a trunk too. Oh yeah, no, yeah, big hot a hot guy to move. Yeah, and uh, you even even see that with him and him and Larry Bird going up against each other. Yeah. Now there's a little anecdote with Barkley. Barkley was playing a against the the Celtics, mm -hmm. and Larry Bird was probably one of the greatest trash talkers in history. Oh yeah, and they put some guy like Mark Ivoroni or somebody okay. like uh, Godin Bird. Yep. And um, Bird was ticked off, and he he said to he said to uh, Barkley said. You guys are disrespecting me. He says, what do you mean? He said, you guys put a white guy on me. How can you disrespect me like that? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ivoroni. You, you weren't quite yeah. up to par. <laughs> so, that, yeah, that's a good number, yeah. number two. Yep, yeah, so uh, I bet I can guess. Well, I, I can guess your final two. I don't know yeah. the order, so yeah. go ahead. Well, I'll put Larry at number two, and okay. that's a lot of that's out of respect for Bill Russell. There we go. Um, what can you say about Larry Bird? Yeah. And again, uh, Red Orbach's genius. If you remember, 
He was drafted as senior. They had a rule, senior eligible. He went to That's University right. of Indiana. Yep. He dropped out. Then he went back. So had his senior year at Indiana State, yeah. he had, had was already eligible. So the Celtics drafted him the year before, yep. knowing that he was going to play at Indiana, Indiana State. And they had to sign him before the next draft started. So another Red Orback move. And yeah. it goes he, – he flipped – I think they were like they won like maybe thirty games, twenty nine, thirty games. Uh-huh. So he totally flipped that. And yeah. what else can you say about Larry Bird? I mean, just an unbelievable career. What um, What are some of your favorite Larry Bird moments? Well, just the um, just to watch, he he his basketball IQ was off the scale to yep. see the passes that he made and yeah. just his whole his whole game. They just like the the famous one is the sixty point game against the Atlanta Hawks in New in Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> And if you ever watch, if you ever watch uh, some of that, it's just yeah. he was unconscious. I, I've seen uh, highlights. I, if I remember, it, the Hawks players were cheering for. Him. They got there were fines. Uh, um, who was it? Mike Fratello was the coach, uh-huh. and he fined some of the players because they <laughs> they were besides themselves because yeah. he was totally unconscious that game. Yeah, that was a sixty point game. I guess a few days before, Kevin McHale had scored fifty six points, uh-huh. and Bird told McHale, "You should have stayed in and scored a few more points." Uh-huh. And within two weeks, he broke because uh, that had been the the Celtic record yep. until Bird yeah. Bird threw in sixty. Uh, yeah, but Bird, you can argue him as one of the greatest players ever, one of the top four or five players ever. You can yeah. you can have some serious debates, um, yep. but he an all time trash talker and. Um, but yeah, uh, he was a killer. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think from I mentioned the autobiography. Uh, I I think to be a top level athlete, you need to be crazy or a little a little bit yeah. crazy. That his his competitiveness level yeah. was yeah. Basketball was his whole life, right? Yeah, yeah. And and he's somebody that or I don't want to. I I don't know this. It seems like he hasn't had a great off the court life, I don't know. Maybe or he's really good at basketball. Yeah, but, but that's a, a savant at basketball. Yeah, but go. as far as uh, conducting life, not yeah. not the greatest. Uh, there's been some you know personal stuff, right, and, right, and whatnot. And that's something I always I mention that to my children. Yeah. Um, we enjoy watching sports and everything, but we we don't. I never wanted my children to oh to worship any of these athletes because we don't yeah. know what yeah. what they're like as human beings, right? And, and, right. Uh, so uh, that was the thing I always emphasized. So which makes sense, yeah. and I think I think for Bird, he was one of those players where life made the most sense to him on the basketball. Oh, court. for sure, and he had a yeah. he had a real rugged childhood. Oh, he so, did with uh, his dad, and yeah, 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 and it's and a, I the what. There was one here. Here's here's a question about Larry Bird before I give you my number one, Kevin. Uh, when I was playing basketball in middle school and high school, there was one thing that my coaches always said: you need to be like Larry Bird in this way. Just telling the whole team. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just say he said using your left hand. Um, Bird was a maestro of. You, you couldn't play him to the right because he was just as good going left and could dribble and one-handed pass and do all these things. Yeah. Finish with his left hand. Yeah. And so he, he was just a yeah. player without weaknesses. Well, there's an anecdote about that. The 86 team, which they knew they were good, and they just had, they had great, roll. great fun. Yeah. They were on a, a road trip out west, 
And Bird told everybody, and even the opposing players, yep. it was against the Portland Trailblazers, yeah. that I'm playing left-handed tonight. <laughs> and he played 90% of the game left-handed. It was just, it, was, yeah. it blew Bill Walton away. Just, right. uh, he would do things like that, little mind games, mm -hmm. because he was so talented and uh, things for stimulation. Right. He'd ask the ball boy, what's the scoring record in this arena and stuff? So, it, yeah. yeah, just uh, yeah. Um, just phenomenal, yeah. some of the stuff. And, and there are YouTube compilations of Larry Bird. A couple of things. One that talks about is trash talking and having other yeah. players give interviews about oh, how, yeah. how, how he'd go after people. But I think more than once, he would tell who was ever guarding oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm going to dribble. Yep. They're going to give me the ball. Side. Yeah, they right. call the timeout. They're going to give me the ball. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to shoot it in your face. <laughs> yeah. you tell him exactly so, where he was going to shoot it. From. And then he would do it. <laughs> And he uh, couldn't do anything yeah, about it. Yeah. Oh man, Larry Bird. Well, Kevin, my my number one, and maybe this is maybe this is a little too early, but as a as a fan, mostly over the past twenty years of the Sixers, I'm putting Joel as 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 number one. Um, the in in my watching time, I've I've told my own boys that since I started watching basketball seriously in the early '90s. Uh, the most dominant player I've ever seen until recently, I said, was Shaq. Now, Shaq, Shaq wasn't good for – Shaq wasn't absolute peak for, for very long. Uh, before Shaq hit his peak, he was athletic but underskilled. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and then after his peak, he was yeah. skilled but not athletic. <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't – Take take conditioning seriously. Yeah, Shaq would come close to Chamberlain strength wise. Yeah, I'd say Shaq was probably stronger than Embiid. Yeah, he's yeah. a really strong guy. Yeah, but you're right. He 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 when he came in, he didn't have a great skill set starting right. out. So yeah. his peak was just a few years, and then he started breaking down physically. Yeah, yeah, and really to me, only one or two years. Yeah, in the early two thousands, when when Shaq had his athleticism and enough skill. And I just remember watching those games, thinking there, there is, there is no force on this planet that can that can stop Shaquille O'Neal. I, I never thought I'd see it or say it, but over the past couple of years, every once in a while, Joel looks that good, where, where teams are just throwing the kitchen sink at him, yeah. and and Embiid can do things out to the three point line that Shaq, Shaq could could never do. Brett Brown, the old the old Sixers coach, said that. He's Shaq with soccer feet. Oh, so, so, so somebody who's super, super big and strong, but also is is highly skilled. And I, I am worried that maybe this is like Shaq. I'm worried that his body's going to break down. Well, he's he's had, he started out. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was, was he was a project. Years, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, I had him at five. Okay, I I, I had him he, on my list, but I had him at five. I hope he plays long yeah. enough that. Yeah. Uh, that he really could yeah. become the best sixer of all time. Yeah, my fives are contemporary guys because they yep. they're still early in their careers, like yep. Jason Tatum. I, I I just couldn't pass him by. Yep. Now let me ask you, who did you leave off that you uh, hemmed and hawed about on, on the on the, the sixes? Yeah, so so there were some there there were some of those uh, like a Billy Cunningham or a Mo Cheeks mm. or a, yeah, okay. So from 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 those Doctor J teams. The the Iverson teams of the early two thousands. He was the only good player on on, yeah. uh, on those teams, 
And yeah, so 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 somebody like somebody like Mochiks that I think just made yeah. the Hall of Fame a year yeah. or two ago, yeah. uh, were 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 some of the one some of the ones that I left off. Oh, by the way, my number one, Please. and that would be Bill Russell. Of course. And you just have to give it. There was nobody more competitive ever in the history of the NBA. Right. He played thirteen years in the NBA. He won eleven titles. Yeah. In one year. That he didn't. His second year, they didn't win. He had a broken foot. She so had a fracture, oh, and man. so, um, so the, the one year that he didn't was the '67. I don't count that second year because he was injured. Yeah. But the '67 Sixers. Right. He, right. he could not overcome that group. Yeah. Uh, but the, the an anecdote about Bill, the players used to like in the locker room before the game, they would always look forward to Bill puking his guts out before the game started really? because they knew that that was <laughs> <laughs> it's a great and, pregame ritual yeah uh, just just uh, uh, just an unbelievable competitor and um or back spotted him or you're gonna give if you talk about the boston Celtics, you have yep. to talk about red or back um the mastermind a, a lifelong friend of mine that was a jew uh, told me a little anecdote about his father had a statue of moses right and he said, Dad, you need a statue of Red Orbach because he's the greatest Jew since Moses. <laughs> um, but Orbach saw what Russell could do for the Celtics. Yep. He was the final piece. And just, you see guys block shots nowadays. They, the ball goes like 30 feet into the rows. Russell would block shots to himself or block shots yeah. to other players. And he was the guy that initiated the fast break. Right. Became the first Afro-American coach in any sport. Yeah. Red Orbach hired him as coach. Yeah. Part of, you know, another thing about the the Celtics, part of the first time in NBA history that they had five black players on the floor together was Bill Russell and the Boston Celtics. Right, right. Um, But um, just the idea of the greatest competitor ever. Yeah. No one is going to win 11 NBA titles. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a stat that will never, ever be matched. Yeah, people talk about records that, that will never be broken, and they'll bring up like DiMaggio's hitting streak. That Lou Gehrig's consecutive games for a while, people yeah. thought nobody was going to break. But but those eleven championships, yeah, I think are untouchable. And and he was, he wasn't he wasn't a role player on 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 those teams. Yeah, he he, he wasn't he was, you know he wasn't great offensively, but um, in the clutch that was yeah. a, there was one time that I, I was watching a game and. The color commentator was Oscar Robinson, one of the yep. great NBA players. Yeah. Russ, I think Russell was a coach of Seattle at the time, mm-hmm. and they would just somehow they got on free throw shooting, and uh, it was Brent Musburger. And he had, Brent Musburger asked uh, Oscar Robinson, "What kind of a foul? How good a foul shooter was Bill Russell?" Uh-huh. And Oscar didn't waste a second. He said, "Only when it counted." Oh, there we go. <laughs> Um, so Russell could produce the basket in the clutch and yeah. hit the big free throws. Wasn't counted on offensively like somebody like a Will Chamberlain, right? But just engineered that team. But he could, but he could guard Chamberlain, one of the few that could hold him at bay. Yeah, nobody could guard Chamberlain. Yeah, Russell did the best of holding Chamberlain at bay. Right, but, uh, Chamberlain just—if you ever see films of that—it says Russell's there. He's doing everything, and Russell credits Chamberlain for. Raising yeah. his level, his right. game. Yeah, and they were good friends. Were they really? When um, when the Celtics came to Philly, uh-huh. he stayed at, at he it would stay sometimes at Chamberlain's house, hmm. and Chamberlain's mother would cook dinner, and she would tell William, "Don't you be, 
don't you be too hard on my wilt, okay? <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were they were very close friends. Huh. They were very close friends, and uh, probably had a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh uh, wow, Bill Russell. Well, Kevin, let's let's wrap up with this question. I I asked you to have a top five and then a what if. Who's your who's? I'll I'll, I'll tell you my Sixers one what if, and and I think your what if is even more tragic. But yeah. My, my what if is what if Markel Fultz had panned out as a player? So he was the one that they drafted above Jason Tatum. Completely forgot how to shoot a jump shot. Yeah. If if Fultz had been good, then that would have made that younger Sixers team sure. from a couple of years ago really solid. But because Fultz flamed out, it made the front office press the accelerator on emptying their team of assets to try to win now, win now, win now. And if Fultz had been a, a really great player, maybe there's less pressure on Ben Simmons. And so I, I, nobody knows why, well, I guess Danny Ainge knew <laughs> that something was up there. But, yeah. uh, uh, but man, if the, after Embiid, the, the Sixers had two consecutive number one draft picks, yeah. and that was Simmons and Fultz, and it, neither of them were with the team. Yeah, I noticed you didn't have Simmons on your top five greatest Sixers <laughs> of all time. I, I just was kind of surprised about that. Yeah. My what if is probably, like you say, is probably even more tragic. Um, the 1986 Celtic team, arguably the greatest Celtic team ever, Right. Um, they had the third pick in the draft. They drafted Which kid. was Auerbach. Yeah, or another. Yeah, yeah, that was Gerald Henderson. They traded Gerald Gerald Henderson to a really bad team, Seattle. Uh Orbach knew they were gonna, you know, Seattle was gonna be awful. Yeah. So they wound up with a draft pick. They got a guy out of University of Maryland who they they said at the time they had every bit of the athletic skill of Michael Jordan. Yeah. A great shooter, just an unbelievable uh, prospect. They interviewed uh, Len Bias. Right. And. I think it was two days after he was drafted, died of a cocaine overdose. Yep. And what if his skill set was off the scale? And you're talking about playing with Larry Bird, yeah. Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, right. and how many more titles would they have won? Yep. And, and um, so that that's that's the greatest greatest what if. You put yeah. that kid on there with his skill set. Right. Um, much more athletic than either either Bird mm-hmm. or Parrish. Yep. Have him coming off the bench. And he would have Probably had one. time to, to develop. There wouldn't yep. have been the pressure on him immediately nope, nope. to be the number one guy. No, and they, they interviewed and they said, well, you know that, well, you're you're not going to be the starter. You're, oh, no problem and, and all that. And, yeah. Uh, um, uh, a real tragic thing. You know who had purchased this? It got no money and everything, mm-hmm. almost like in a pauper's grave. And the guy that purchased his tombstone, his grave, was uh-huh. Moses Malone. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, wow. I think Bias was a Virginia guy, like uh, okay. Moses Malone was a yeah. Virginia guy. Huh. But a uh, little sidelight to, to that story. Oh, wow. So. But, but, but that is one of the most biggest and tragic what-ifs in all of sports. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and just what a, what a crowning achievement that would have been for Auerbach yeah. to ha- field one of the best teams in the history of basketball and then have another star yeah, that you that's, draft the that, next year. No, that's why, like, you, if you talk about the Boston Celtics, you cannot ignore Red Orbach. And if you look at the garden, they, they got his, his autograph yep. on the floor, Red Orbach. Yep. So he, yeah, he was the architect of it all. Yeah. And his guys loved him. Oh, oh man. So. Well, hey, 
thanks for listening, everybody. Kevin and I are going to go have a victory cigar right now. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of old red, but Sixers versus Celtics. Celtics are probably better, but we'll see about this year. Great stuff, though. Great, great rivalry. Yep. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. And hey, Turtle Doves, we do have one comment for this week. This is from Scott. Thanks so much for writing in. And you say a topic idea on church history in response to hearing me and Matt Harmon yak about church history last week. Hi, Jim. Here might be a fun topic for you and Matt to do in the vein of church history. Top five dead theologians every Christian should read. We'll work on it. In the meantime, go Sixers. Five golden things. F-I-V-E, golden things at gmail.com. Ta-ta, turtle doves. Wow. That was definitely a top five episode of Five Golden Things, The Liberty Lists. And remember, kids, schadenfreude ain't just a river in Egypt. Wade in the water a little deeper anytime at libertycollingswood.org and find us at the usual socials. Make us a top five follow, and you'll always be our number one. Toodle pip. any of the Philadelphia <laughs> teams. I root for them to lose and all that good stuff. <laughs> so we, we can go from there. And-